primary care knowledge boost paramedics in primary care Welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Today we are chatting to Scott Murray, who is a paramedic in primary care. We ask him all about how and why he became a paramedic and about his transition into primary care. Yeah, this is this is part of our new role series. Um, and it's really interesting to hear how paramedics can fit into the team and just provide that different skill set, really. Yeah, it's a, a really lovely chat. And at the end of the discussion with him that you're just about to hear, uh, we'll be joining you again to share our learning points. Enjoy. Um, so I'll kick it off by asking if you can introduce yourself for the listeners. Yeah, sure. So hi, everybody. My name's Scott Murray. I'm a paramedic uh, advanced practitioner and a HE Allied Health Professional Ambassador um, to Primary Care. Very fancy sounding title, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so if you talk us through how you became a paramedic, like what what made you become one um, and the the training what that was like as well well i can't really remember when i first decided to be a paramedic i guess i'd always been interested in in the sciences at school and then um that kind of led to a levels and i had a couple of experiences growing up where i'd had to call paramedics out and that that kind of relief that i'd had when when the paramedics turned up and took over and, and looked like they knew what they were doing i remember thinking that you know i'd, I'd love to be able to be that confident and, and to be in that role at some point when i grew up and and that yeah. kind of steered my career path. And I could, I'd never seen myself working in an office. And uh, being a paramedic is about as far as you can get from working in an office. You know, it's quite a changing job. You're in lots of different settings and environments. And, and I really like the idea of, of the training. And, and at the time when I joined, that was a higher education route. Traditionally, paramedics were trained on the job through vocational training. Uh, they train up from being patient transport and then they'd do a technician course, and then they'd do on-the-job training to be a paramedic. But because I think the changing nature of the job and the, the fact that we see more and do more in the pre-hospital environment, there's been a move to bring it into higher education. So that had just started that process when I, I came to be a paramedic in 2008. I think it had been running for three or four years beforehand. So I joined one of the higher education programs at UCLan, oh, yeah. which is a three-year degree. Um, which was was a really excellent course, a mix of kind of theory and, and practical based placements um, and placements in different settings as well. So that yeah, that was a, a really interesting, really difficult three years, um, as I'm sure you guys have, have been through med school. You know, understand a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of crossover between uh, the dreaded oskies and and <laughs> yep, special type of torture. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so now paramedics are just degree entry. Um, moving forward and a lot of the people that are paramedics are, are accessing higher education to you know the very experienced ones are all accessing higher education to to top up so everybody should be at a pretty similar level as a base level paramedic and then there's we'll talk, probably talk about later there's options to build up on top of that now with, with lots of new roles and new qualifications going forward. Yeah I think that leads nicely into my next question because um, obviously we're quite interested in primary care and this series is all about the additional roles and, and new people kind of coming into the primary care setting and um, so where where do paramedics fit into the primary care setting? Yeah so I think when, when we say paramedics in primary care most people automatically think the additional roles reimbursement scheme in April 2021, when when these PCN roles will will become live for paramedics and other professions are already in in post and are being funded, and for paramedics we we were we always knew that was the date that it really would take off for us in primary care. But when you look at the numbers, there are already lots of paramedics in primary care, 
I think there's oh, nearly 900 on, according to NHS Digital at the moment. Wow. And, and there's some, been some pioneering paramedics that have been in primary care for 20 years and have carved a niche for themselves. But I think what we, what's happening now is that all of those people have done quite an individual pathway and have carved their own niche out and will be doing slightly different roles with slightly different job titles. And I think the process going forward is going to become a lot more formalised with the ARRS scheme. And there's just been the National Roadmap for First Contact Practice and Advanced Practice for Paramedics, which for those of you that understand and work with physios over the last 18 months, it's a very similar pathway and that's intentional. All of the new AHPs coming into primary care will have their own pathway. Um, and it's really exciting because now we have you know, a roadmap, we've got uh, a structure to follow when we land it's a bit it should be a bit clearer for us when we come in primary care because it's certainly for myself when I when I moved into urgent care initially seven years ago but then primary care four and a half years ago you can feel a bit lost sometimes as a paramedic you're not sure what, what whether you whether you're doing the right thing whether you're filling the right niche and obviously having having this more national picture now and national roadmap to follow that should give people a bit more structure that's awesome yeah so yeah it's, it's great to have it formalized um but yeah it's interesting you said about the way that you got into primary care what was it that attracted you to primary care yeah i guess we all become a paramedic because we know that there is emergency care and, and sick and injured people need to get to hospital quickly and we provide life-saving treatment but a lot of what we actually do doesn't fall into that category a lot of it is primary care that people just choose to access through an ambulance service and we have the ability to provide some of that care and that that ability to, to see and treat is is growing for paramedics and ambulance services and the more you do that I think the more I realize a lot of my job satisfaction came from being able to provide complete episodes of care see somebody find out what's wrong with them treat them and discharge them and I really enjoyed that part of the role and, and it coincided with me deciding to move area uh, and, and I was looking at do I transfer to a different ambulance service or do I have a look at what else is available and at the time there was a job in an urgent care centre that had come up um, and I thought my, my skills are quite transferable there and I'd, I'd heard of paramedics that work, didn't work in ambulance services but they weren't that common at the time and I thought could, could that be me and it kind of ex- expanded my clinical decision making and I did that for three years and, and I really enjoyed it but again what I found was that I, w- I wanted more continuity I wanted to know what happened to those patients that were seeing did they get better when I gave them the antibiotics or did they go back to their GP because it hadn't got better or they needed different follow-up or I'd seen somebody that maybe needed a two-week weight referral and the pathways were a bit awkward um, to do that in an urgent care centre and actually I built some really good relationships up with with GPs locally and had the opportunity then to move into an advanced practitioner role. So that was kind of my pathway from ambulance into into a primary care role, I guess. I'm a little bit interested in training actually along the way. Whenever you were out um, just doing the normal day-to-day paramedic job, did you have any training during your degree to prepare you for dealing with the primary care sort of contacts and then kind of when you moved into urgent care did you get much training to be able to deal with the wider kind of stuff that you were having to deal with and then again into primary care did you get any training there it's been quite interesting i think the, the as the paramedic degrees have developed i think a lot more are recognizing the benefit of those more practitioner level skills that enhanced assessment and enhanced decision making um, so a lot more undergraduate programs are building that in 
to their probably their third year where they're looking at developing those systems of assessment that paramedics maybe not um, wouldn't have traditionally done ear, nose and throat, for example, dermatology. Um, they are building that into their undergraduate curriculum. But when I landed in the urgent care centre, I, I knew that I, I was working at an enhanced level and I needed to underpin myself with the extra knowledge and skills and, uh, and education. So I was quite lucky in that I was able to access some fun- funding through HEE on a master's in advanced practice programme which is a three-year course, which is really excellent. And that's quite a common pathway for paramedics that are in primary care to access that training in the same way that GPs would recognise a nurse that was working at an enhanced level and then access the advanced practice and became an advanced nurse practitioner. It's a pathway that is relatable and, and maps. So, And at the end point is very similar. There's a lot of crossover between nurses and paramedics as generalists. So if you used to work with an advanced nurse practitioner, you kind of have an appreciation of what the skill set could look like in a paramedic. But we, we have slightly different competencies and different ways of approaching things at times, but um, there are a lot of similarities in the role there. But uh, I think for, for a lot of paramedics, and this comes down more to my ambassador role, because there hasn't been a pathway there. Pe- what people People's roles are, di- are different from practice to practice, but also their availability to access training and education and supervision and peer support that all varies from practice to practice and area to area. And some people can have felt quite unsupported going into primary care. Maybe the GP hasn't appreciated the skill set. Maybe the paramedic has underestimated the role or um, there's been a mismatch between support and learning needs and, and development. Um, there is quite a big push for paramedics to prescribe as soon as they land in primary care because that's a new skill that's come out for paramedics in the last 18 months, with, which which is really useful and a really useful skill. But Actually, it wouldn't be the first module that I would jump at. I think it's prescribing is a big deal, especially when you're doing it in a, in a working in a very generalist capacity and your ability to yeah. see anything that walks through the door. Prescribing is that extra level of risk and responsibility. So I think having, having that built into the advanced practice pathway rather than being seen as a standalone module, I think is something that, you know, I'd definitely be recommending to, to new commissions that are moving in. Yeah, so that's good advice. Get get comfortable first. Yeah, I loved um, hearing your transition through into primary care and kind of what guided that. And I, it always feels to me a bit like you wanted to know the patients that it's all about patient care rather than kind of cases or you know particular presentations. So yeah, it's really nice to hear. And that's taken a while, but that has taken a while to get used to. Generally, as a paramedic, if you if you see somebody and then you have to go out and see them again, either in the same shift or the shift after, it's because there's a there's a perception that you've done something wrong you didn't fix them the first time and and it's a bad thing that you're going out to them again whereas actually in primary care that continuity is is good and the and it helps you develop as a practitioner because you understand how you you have the knowledge of how different presentations progress and and you understand actually that that person might get sick in the next 48 hours because I've seen that before and I need to put more in place to look after them or actually I know they're a bit poorly at the moment but they would normally pick up with this treatment course. Within this amount of time, I'm quite happy to review them in a couple of days and make sure that that, that trajectory has happened. So under, learning that kind of using that test of time as a process um, has been a really interesting journey as a paramedic because it's something that we've never had exposure to before. You know, we take people to hospital, we drop them off or we leave them at home with safety nets and, and you go on about your day and, and you probably don't see that patient again. Paramedics are so busy, they get used in 
across big areas in, in, in cover multiple different hospitals and trusts, the chance of them re- recontacting patients is, is quite slim. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I've really enjoyed that part of the role moving into primary care. Yeah. And for primary care, like coming in, how, how was that coming into primary care and um, sort of thinking about your colleagues that might be coming into primary care from a paramedic background? Yeah, what what reflections might help them, and also what can you think of that um, that primary care centres or uh, general practice can support paramedics and trainees coming into primary care? I think the new roadmap should should help with this. Um, the, the first contact paramedic and advanced paramedic roadmap really quite quite clearly lays out what what is expected from from the trainee, uh, what's expected from a supervision point of view um uh, so it lays a quite clear pathway and and the the, really the emphasis is on supported development and and have you have you got the knowledge skills and attributes to clinically see a a diverse patient group are there any gaps in your knowledge from your paramedic training route from from a pre-hospital setting um and and what what do you need to address those knowledge gaps to see the breadth of patients safely and, and have that have that having that built into a pathway with opportunities for step off at either first contact practice level or all that going all the way through to advanced practice level that makes it really clear now where and that gives you a bit of clarity whereas before there wasn't and that feels like a really positive step i think for for paramedics moving into primary care i've talked about it a little bit before it's a bit about understanding and, and being comfortable with that uncertainty that i think general practitioners really is really kind of drilled into them from from GPST training from what from my experience of of GPST trainees and accepting that you don't have to know everything about every presentation but you just have to be able to approach stuff in a systematic structured way um so i think that that for me was was the biggest learning point moving into primary care everything else come you know all you it all fills in and and you get used to the different presentations and clinical pathways and referral options that all comes later but really it's just having that shift in kind of mindset the other thing that i find absolutely mind-boggling from a coming from a rather protocol driven sphere of practice was uh there was always the right answer you know there's a proper pathway to follow as a paramedic generally there were always gray areas but normally there's a pathway and a drug to use for a different condition that presents you ask 10 different GPs and you get 10 different answers in primary care <laughs> as to what you should do with this patient. So you, you will have to, at the same time, learn your own, what you're comfortable with, what your sphere of practice is and how you approach different presentations. Everyone's got different thresholds for risk and yeah. and you have to learn how to manage that, what, where, where you sit in that primary care team. That was a really interesting transition for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Def- definitely relating to it, all of that. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is that whole gray area and kind of what to do and how to do it. Um, so thinking about your job at the moment, what what's your working job like right now? Yeah. What's a week in the life of Scott? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's changed for everybody in the last last year, hasn't it? And without without saying the C word, but um, and I mean COVID there. <laughs> no, sorry, I was just laughing. <laughs> You probably want to cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> I lo- I love the jokes. <laughs> yeah, a day uh, a day in the life, my clinical day. So uh, as I said, that's changed uh, over the last year, really. Um, but prior prior to COVID, it was a as a, a nice mix. I think, and that's really important. I think for paramedics coming into primary care is that they have 
a mix of, of different work types, different uh, modes of seeing patients because all of one type of work can get a bit overwhelming and a bit monotonous at times. So I normally start the day either covering the duty phone um, for, for doing our urgent on the day triage, working out what patients need to be seen in which appointments or which ones can be managed over the phone um, or which ones can be signposted to, to different avenues. So I'll either start the day on urgent triage or I'll have a clinic. Um, normally, when I have a morning clinic, I start with a bit of time to do some uh, admin. So I get the same tasks and queries uh, that a salaried GP may get. So so an hour, an hour doing admin. And then I'll do six 15-minute appointments, say, uh, is my morning clinic. Uh, they start off as telephone bookable slots, which then get filled on the day, generally. Um, if I feel that I've triaged them and I can deal with them over the phone, then I will. If they need to come in, then I can arrange that either within that clinic or a, a clinic at a later time. And then we have coffee, which I think is really important. Even with COVID, we manage that socially distanced as that opportunity to just unwind, chat, share cases. And then, and then I do home visits across the rest of the morning. So between coffee and coffee, I'm very food orientated, um, <laughs> as you can probably tell. So yeah, uh, between coffee and coffee, I'll do home visits. Um, you know, and that, and that's a really broad spectrum of home visiting that paramedics can, can have an input to. We've got a broad skill set, a good ability to assess and, and diagnose, especially once they're on that first contact or advanced practice pathway. Um, and, and that includes with palliative care. I really enjoy the palliative care side of the workload. It's a bit yeah. tricky at the moment because paramedics can't prescribe controlled drugs. So that's controlled drugs of any schedule. Um, so even 8500s, Schedule 5 Cocodamol, isn't something that we can prescribe. So, and that goes all the way up to kind of your, your core drugs. So that makes it a bit trickier to manage end of life. And the other thing that's a bit tricky is around death certification uh, and whether they've seen a GP within that illness period, within the time frame, which is changing yeah. um, frequently. But we have some quite good workarounds with use of video technology. So from going to a patient that actually is entering that palliative phase of their life, then I can do a video call with a GP and that classes as the GP seeing them within that illness period. And we'll use that as an opportunity to talk through some treatment options, you know, as a three-way call. Yeah. So it's just about offering different professionals to be able to deal with the primary care work for workload. And I think paramedics are really a really good profession to be able to take that care to the patients or, or have the pay or deal with the patients that are presenting to the surgeries. Yeah, because that's invaluable, definitely. Like good care, good palliative care at home uh, is really, really tricky. And the workload on, on general practice is huge to try and achieve that well for patients to do a good job uh, for them and their families. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. And then after coffee, I'll either do more duty phone or, or back into a clinic again, offering more appointments. And people always say, well, well how many can a paramedic see in a day? What do you get for your money? Uh, and I think that really depends on the individual, the paramedic, their level of experience, uh, and, and also the needs of the surgery. So I think it, it, that will flex depending on from surgery to surgery, from person to person. And I think we need to be, you need to be careful not to overwhelm that paramedic too quickly coming if they're new to primary care. Um, yeah. But actually, for, once they get established and developed and their appointment times come down, their catch-up slots get less, their need for debrief decreases, you know, the more you invest and the more time you give into that paramedic that, that comes into the practice, the, the, the end point clinician becomes that much more independent and autonomous. 
um, and is and is you know become. I think they are, we are a very useful professional in primary care because of that ability to flex across a different appointment type. So it's a it's a bit of a longer game maybe for some depending on the experience of the practitioner and, and the need of support. But I think we are seeing that across all of the additional roles that are coming in because there isn't a massive untapped general practice workforces are coming from different areas and different clinical specialities but i think the the generalist picture of the paramedic does really lend itself quite well to to that kind of primary care workload that the more urgent end of the primary care workload but there is the opportunity for them to develop the chronic disease management skills um going forward yeah lovely yeah and then um soul searching question <laughs> about i guess what you want your career to look like or where do you see it going uh, in the future what what would be the ideal kind of end point career wise yeah it's really interesting i think I've, I've really enjoyed the ambassador role um over the last year as a it's a he role and and the the rationale for the role was that there is a lot of misunderstanding about the, these additional roles that come into primary care and GPs need support in, in how they implement them and how they support them. So I think anybody that does eight clinical sessions in primary care understands how hard that is and, and having that mix, that portfolio role and the ability to work in, in a slightly different way has been really, really useful. So I'd, I'd definitely recommend that to any any AHPs that are currently in primary care who are looking, it's never been a better time with, with the PCNs. There are lots of PCN leadership roles that are becoming available. So I've, I've found that as a really nice mix. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested in seeing, we have a pathway now from first contact to advanced practice for paramedics and, and, and that development pathway. And we've got new talent and new practitioners coming through. Um, and, and we have a standard there of, of their knowledge, skills, and attributes at, at those levels. I'm really interested in seeing what, what's happening at the top end of that scope and that that advanced consultant pathway. Now, what does that look like for paramedics? I don't think I don't think we currently know. I don't think we know what what the the consultant end of, of paramedic primary care work looks like. You know what what leadership positions could they be doing? What clinical caseloads would they be seeing what's the what what, what's the difference that they would bring to to primary care at the Mm. top end of that scope of practice i don't know how um, that's going to look like with my career or how that's going to develop but um that's kind of where where my where my brain is going but i think that's that's a long-term plan i think at the moment (laughs) day to day we're just trying to get through um and i'm just trying to get uh, you know just trying to support where i can through through the system these are massive changes to workforce and big changes in the way that primary care is working at a time when we're under more pressure than we ever have been so it's it's kind of it's been a massive challenge but the people that have worked with the gps and the practices understand you know the the additional benefit and and it's nice to give them some headspace to help them to to implement it to get things you know moving from a from a paramedic point of view but also from a wider ahp point of view yeah um we've we've put in a little bit because we we enjoy a bit of teaching um so we we thought we might kind of uh recruit you <laughs> to give us a little bit of teaching um just in terms of having trained um, in that paramedic role and having cared for patients from that perspective um if you think that there's anything that primary care clinicians of any type might be able to do a bit better or be able to learn um from from that experience yeah it's really tricky because i mean Paramedics, I think we are generalists, but coming into primary care, we're not as, as general as GPs. So a lot of our, 
our knowledge seems to get uh, we we seem to absorb a lot of knowledge from the from the wider primary care team. But I guess our core ability is that ability to walk into somewhere that you haven't been before, so a new patient's house, probably somebody you haven't met before, be able to assess them, put them at ease. Yeah. And that ability to recognise when something isn't right. I think we see a lot of patients who, who are very poorly and a lot of patients who become poorly. And I think our ability to pick up on those quite subtle red flags are, uh, you know, I don't know how to teach that necessarily. <laughs> um, that, so as, as a learning point, that's really difficult. But I guess, I guess if, if you're in a primary care team and you're liaising with a paramedic and they're saying, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but I'm, think there's something not right my ears would probably prick up and but i think the you know the the new clinicians that are coming into primary care and the new paramedics they are some very very useful very experienced clinicians who who will be working at quite a high level and, and they will have interests um certainly paramedics are, are very good at ecg so mm-hmm. um uh, go to go to them with questions and i think you'll be surprised with the level of knowledge of the clinicians have and their ability to help you if you're stuck with a you know an, an unusual case i was just thinking when you were saying about their home visiting i was thinking gosh yeah I'd, i kind of hadn't really appreciated how much how much help that would be in the home visiting situation that um, all that experience and that antennae you have for for when something's not right. Um, it's just, yeah, you, that you get that gut feeling over time. Yours will be honed in as a paramedic. <laughs> it takes a long time to get that. Uh, so I think that really is the core skill set of the paramedic and then that ability to carry those um, reassurance and, and um, uh, communication skills into into different environments. I think that is the, the core skill set of the paramedic and uh, and so I would I would recommend you know paramedics that will be clinical supervisors they will be a, a, a resource within the general practice team to teach um, staff so if you've got medical students F Fy one Fy two students or, or GPSTs you know embedding paramedics and advanced practitioners within that training pathway I think will be really useful for the future primary care workforce as well so we're not just there to see patients we the more experienced the, the practitioner gets the more clinical leadership they can offer within the primary care team. And I think that will really help with decision fatigue for GPs going forward. You know, at the moment, you're used to being the, the only person that people could come to with a, for advice to resolve a clinical problem, whether that's a patient advisor or whether that's um, a, a general practice nurse or um, another member of the primary care team. Actually, what you've got is another step in that clinical ladder to help you manage the the general practice work uh, and i think and and that's a really useful resource and and like i say there's a bit of investment to get there will be a bit of investment to get some paramedics there but when they are there i think we i think you will see the benefits long term yeah that's a really nice point um and our final question is usually um always if you have any takeaway points kind of the hard hitters that you want people to remember from the chat today Uh, there are a number of experienced paramedics already in primary care and there is a plan for more paramedics to move into primary care. And we now have a national roadmap, educational standard and CPD uh, and clinical supervision standards to support that process. So my advice would be, it's not a short document, it's 180 pages, but have a <laughs> use the roadmap, find, identify some paramedics that are interested, that, that, that are looking to develop uh, and, and embed them into the primary care team and you will have a really useful resource there to use. 
Amazing. Thanks so much, Scott, for chatting to us today. I, I really love these episodes. I get to find out so much about all these other careers. Um, so yeah, thank you for your time. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, so that was a really lovely chat with Scott today. Um, what were your learning points, Lisa? I just think, I like I said at the end there, I absolutely love these discussions. I think it's the the nosy part of me that likes to find out about people's lives or something that I just love finding out about all these different careers um, in primary care because I think we kind of have these assumptions or what we think are preconceived notions of what people do Mm -hmm. in their roles and actually a lot of them are built on nothing and we don't actually know what people do so um, Scott I think represented the role really really well um, and I've come away with a much better understanding of what they do. Yeah. And I love um, finding out why you got into something. And I think that just really uh, strangely reinvigorates me. It just sort of makes you remember why you got into medicine and why you chose general practice. And um, it's really, yeah, it's quite affirming (laughs) to hear um, somebody sort of have the same kind of thought processes and we're all sort of driven by the same thing, which is all about, yeah, continuity and patient care and holistic care. Um, and yeah, seeing all those different people who are, who are providing it from different angles that are then coming together now and working in bigger teams. Yeah, they're all doing an amazing job. No, I completely agree. And the, like the um, strangely as well, you talk about the um, motivations for yeah. um, doing it. I also think it's really interesting that we're um, echoing every time the experiences that people have um, yeah. when they come into primary care and especially around the uncertainty angle, the dealing with being a generalist angle. Like there's, there's definite themes that are coming up that everyone experiences when they join the team which I think is fascinating absolutely yeah and I loved thinking about the fact that he's got this skill set that is all about quite difficult communication and sort of assessing people in the home environment which is quite a unique experience yeah Yeah. so it's a completely niche side so asking him like what what are your learning points it's all that actual experience that they're bringing to that role and sort of yeah asking people or getting a feel for how to deal with things in the community it's all those really interesting hard to capture skills that they'll be that they'll be bringing to things yeah yeah 100 percent so yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple of different ways that you can. Um, you can send us an email and our email address is primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com or you can get in touch on Twitter and our handle is at PCKBpodcast. Yeah, uh, you can tell a friend or share share us in any way that you feel. And uh, also ratings. Um, so ratings on Apple Podcasts are really useful. And we have a survey. Thank you for everyone who's been filling those out as well. Uh, so you can fill that in and that's as a link in the episode description. Until next time on Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. This was recorded in Greater Manchester in 2021. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.